With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Sunday, December 12th, and we are continuing with our conversation. We dropped the first episode yesterday with the CEO and co-founder Ryan Frazier of Arrived Homes. Um, Arrived Homes allows people to invest fractionally in real estate. Today, we're going to talk about how the company identifies properties, especially in a hot housing market. Here is the second part of our interview with Ryan Frazier. So how do you identify properties to buy? Like you have a whole team that's out there on the ground. So what happens? It starts at the market level. Um, so we're looking at you know the top 100 MSAs or, or basically metropolitan cities. And we're really looking at it first from a population growth perspective. So one kind of simple leading indicator of, is there going to be continued housing demand, uh, both on the rental side and for appreciation? It's just, is it a growing population? Does it have a healthy and diverse employer ecosystem? You know, how does the supply, uh, current housing supply and, and new build starts line up to that? And so we're looking at really a lot of the economic data uh, to see what do we think you know, is going to be a good market for the next 10 years. And then once we do that, our team basically analyzes all of the homes that are available on the market and we're modeling them against, you know, what do we think are the expected rental rates and what do we think the, the market demand might be? And then we're making offers broadly on, on lots of homes, basically at a level that meets our underwriting criteria. And then for some, we go under contract with, and those become you know, the properties that investors get to invest in through the website. What do you think are the three most challenging issues that the company faces right now? You know, there's, there's a couple of things um, really that are kind of core to the business. And it's interesting because when we raised our previous, um, previous round of capital, and we, we kind of took the early learnings of what we saw from consumers, and we said, here's what we think we can do. And then kind of have put that into action over the last six months. I think that, you know, what we thought was it was going to be, you know, somewhat challenging to, to scale this model across lots of markets that we knew that investors were really wanting to invest into. I think we found that there's such a robust 
kind of partner ecosystem across the country right now. And these great national partners that that necessarily has not been quite as challenging as we thought it might be. We've been able to grow city markets faster than we thought, but that carries with it the responsibility of making sure that we're tracking kind of the data layer of the company very well. And so we're really heavily investing in in the data side, managing all of our properties, understanding what's going on with each of them at any time, both with the tenants, with property management, with the accounting and bookkeeping, because we're, we're doing that across, you know, we're basically every individual house is a mini company. And so there's a, there's a data and technology component um, and automation kind of requirement around all of that, that, that we're really investing in right now to make sure that we don't have to, you know, scale these programs with you know, people and teams, we can do so with technology and, and ultimately pass those cost savings on to, you know, investors. Um, so that's a, a big area of focus. Who is the the big competition? I mean, it is mom and pops. It is these other fractional share. Is it just the market itself and the ability to find these these properties? Yeah, I think in some ways it's an awareness, you know, challenge. And how do we make sure uh, for anyone who kind of has had the idea of rental property ownership in their mind, how do we make them aware of arrived? And then how do we show them like, here's our track record, you know, here's what we're doing so that they uh, are comfortable with making a bet on arrived that we're going to be a great place for them to hold property equity. And so I think that's the biggest challenge for us today. You know, there's such a wide open opportunity. We know that uh, study after study shows that, you know, in this country, people really value property ownership. They view it as a better long-term investment than the stock market, but the majority of people aren't investing in, in real estate outside of their primary residence. And so, yeah, I think it's more just the awareness. Is it not the case? This is a leading question. So my partner would be very mad as an attorney that I'm asking it this way. <laughs> I'm going to admit it right off the bat. Yeah, of course, everyone thinks that real estate's a better investment, but it's not because basically property values grow at the same rate as inflation and equities grow faster. So what's the real use case here? Yeah, there's 10-year cycles where uh, real estate does better than equities, but over the long run, equity still is the best performing asset class, isn't it? It's a, it's a great question. And I think it's very interesting. Real estate is, is a very unique um, asset class because you make money in multiple ways. And I think that's what's driven the, the you know, high consistency over time. When you, there's a, there's a Harvard study called the history of returns of everything. And the ultimate result you know, of looking at the housing market, individual homes against the equities market, the stock market, was that they actually had fairly equivalent rates of return over a very long period of time, but that real estate had basically half the volatility or mm. risk. And so you're getting equal levels of return as the stock market with lower levels of risk. So when you think about, okay, the, the returns of, of real estate versus the stock market and what you um, articulated on kind of tracking inflation, I think real estate, uh, because it, it has access to basically positive leverage. And I think leverage is a unique thing that that you look at for real estate and you can use it in a conservative and responsible way um, to basically get leverage on those appreciation. And as long as you have a long-term time horizon, eventually, you know, you're going to get the positive benefit of that. I think you bring up a great point though, which maybe is more important for me to tell equity or stock investors than real estate investors. 
one of the reasons that you have lower volatility is that it's harder to get out. It's almost like the hurdles to the industry actually make you better investor in the industry because you can't, I mean, yes, I'm, they, we go through home flipping periods, but it's, it's rare, right? We don't, we don't really see that day to day. Whereas, you know, you have meme stocks where people are flipping them by the hour in these kinds of investments, you can't. And it's almost like, it's like an investor protection from him or herself. Like you can't do that. So you're going to hang on for the longer term, which may actually make it a really valuable asset class. The other thing to think about is um, is inflation. This is obviously a period of time where we are seeing, you know, the hottest inflation rate in 30 years. And let's just okay, let's let you and me will agree inflation is not going to stay at six percent year over year. What happens to just explain to to the folks listening, like how real estate has been thought of as a way to hedge against inflation or real estate investments. Let's again, presume we're not going to have 6% annual inflation, but what if we landed at 2.5% or 275? What does that mean when you hold real estate? Explain that. And I'd say even, you know, absent of real estate, it's, you know, if you're, if you're viewing future and growing inflation, just owning assets versus cash is where you want to park your money. Um, you know, and then why, you know, real estate as one of those assets, I think that it goes back to what you were just saying as well, which is, you know, it's very supply constrained. One, it takes a lot of time to develop new properties and it takes resources and human capital to do so, which also um, the costs go up with inflation. And so the cost of developing new homes uh, goes up, which means that the the price points for homes that have already been developed um, kind of move towards those equilibriums. And then you look at how many homes you know in the market are even willing to be sold at any time. It's the supply is further compressed. And so it's really, I think about the the supply and, and demand, you know, side of that, you know, we've seen, it's like, you can't, you can't really, when you look at the, the, let's say the monetary policy, uh, you can't just create a lot of uh, property supply. And so it kind of matches, you know, some of the views of deflationary assets too, not exactly, but if you look at, let's say Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, I think there's some things there that that community might relate to in real estate, which is a very traditional asset class that follow um, some of the similar philosophies, I guess. Ryan, as you look forward, you're psyched about this. You got to go out there. You got to find the homes. You got to bring the message to the people. When are we going to see arrived as a potential investment to every single person in all 50 states, in all the biggest markets? Like, what's your goal of like when this really kind of is taking off? Today, you know, anyone across the country can invest. Um, so regardless of, of where you are, you can go to our website, browse homes, buy shares in those homes. Um, today, we're in 12 cities. I think by the end of next year, we'd like to be in 50 cities. And then over the next couple of years, we'd like to be in all of the major markets and you know, offer thousands or tens of thousands of homes that, that people can invest in. And that's really you know, our vision is to make sure that we have enough inventory and supply that for anyone who wants to participate, they're able to do so. Can I um, maybe ask a, a brutalist question? Would it be great if the housing market crashed for your business model? Wouldn't it be kind of fabulous for you to say all these people who are holding on to properties, who are waiting for, you know, maximum price discovery and, you know, fantasy land offers, 
wouldn't it be kind of great for you to be able to say, oh, great, the housing market is corrected by 20, 25%. Would, wouldn't that be a good thing for your business model? You know, it's very hard to time markets. And we've really built the business in a way that uh, we can support you know, investors regardless. Uh, we can support, and there's ways to make money in real estate, I think, at every point of the cycle. As asset prices come down, then yields typically come up and support you know, a, uh, the, the lower cost of, or the, the lower capital base. And so there's, I think in general, like at every kind of stage of you know, these housing cycles that we go through, there, there's opportunities to invest in real estate. I think different people participate at different stages. And our view is like, we really want people to be able to diversify and dollar cost average over time, remove some of the, the market um, timing out of it and really kind of make investing in real estate something that you just do gradually over the course of your life so that you don't have to worry quite as much about some of those cycles. But it would be better for your model if prices came down right now, wouldn't it? It, it depends. It, I don't think our model necessarily uh, would be impacted one way or another based on asset prices. Ultimately, you know, those who are owning and investing in the assets are our clients. And so any kind of change in asset prices is really for the benefit of investors in the homes. I don't know why I'm not buying that because it doesn't seem to me to make mathematical sense that if the house were cheaper for you to acquire on the way in, that it changes the upside potential. I mean, I'm not saying you should try to time it. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, it's like anything else. If you happen to, by mistake, inherit a bunch of money on March 23rd of 2020 and you put your money to work in a diversified portfolio, you were better off. That was good luck. And I'm not saying that you have to go on the mar- in the you know on the air and say like, oh yes, I'm begging and praying for the markets to come down, but it has to be beneficial to the model to be able to acquire properties at a better price point. No. Uh, yes, I think that you know acquiring properties at at great price points uh, absolutely can yield you know higher returns for our investors and then help them feel you know earlier the benefit of of owning real estate. And I do think you're you know you're right in that regard that that benefits arrived. If it's a great time to invest in homes and arrive today is the only place to buy shares of homes and more people decide to do that, then you know we, we benefit from uh, being able to be the intermediary for, for those investors. Last question. We seem to be on the precipice of having a rising interest rate environment. How mm-hmm. might that impact your model? Yeah, I think interest rates are, you know, they, they drive the the real estate market and, and asset prices uh, quite a bit because they really relate to consumers' purchasing power for those homes. If there's lower interest rates, then their money can go further in terms of the impact of monthly payments on on mortgages, and so they can pay you know higher prices or lower prices. Um, their their income can go further or less. And so, yeah, the, the interest rates that most impact us are related to kind of our mortgage. Uh, periods, so the hold periods, so whether mm-hmm. that's the five, seven, or ten-year periods, and so we track those regularly. Our mortgages are all fixed-rate mortgages, so it's not that for our current supply it would really impact it. It would be more for as we continue to grow that supply and create new properties, just tracking what those rates are and what that might do to property values, you know, because of how much demand there is at any one time. 
Do you think that this is like an unsexy way to invest? Are you actually the anti meme stock kind of organization because it's a longer holding period and it's an old timey kind of asset class? Do you feel kind of good about that? Or do you have any feeling around that? I, I totally agree. It's not the most fun asset class to talk about in a world where you have NFTs, you have people investing in you know, art, you have people investing in classic cars and collectibles. There's a lot of assets that people have access to you know, in the alternative investment space today. And we with Arrived are really bringing the kind of slow and steady and traditional um, asset class to, to retail investors. And yeah, it's, it, I think it's fun to be contrarian at this moment, which is really odd to think that owning a rental house is like a contrarian alternative <laughs> investment today, but it really feels that way because you know, competing with assets that might go up or down, you know, wildly on any given day. And we're saying, no, like this is a decades investment product. Really think about your long-term wealth creation. So yeah, I think we, we, we definitely lean into that. The people who arrive resonates with are people thinking on longer term time horizons right now, or they're thinking about arrived as part of their portfolio alongside these other more speculative assets as kind of a, um, yeah, a foundational piece. Okay, that's it for the program. If you have a question about whether or not you should be investing in real estate, maybe you're looking at rental income. A lot of people seem to be asking about that these days. Why don't you head to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the contact button and give us the details and we'll weigh in on whether or not we think you should be doing this. It's a very interesting question. Very few people tend to ask us about buying real estate when the market's falling apart, only when it's on fire. I don't know, maybe you want to think about that. Okay, we appreciate you listening and we are so happy to be here for you. Do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace, and put a little cherry on top, a little gratitude. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.